Well, let's make this happen. It's the news, according to me. It is it is Monday morning, still morning. I really had planned on getting up a lot earlier than this. It's uh, Monday, tw- September twenty fifth, nine fifty, nine five zero, almost nine fifty one. September twenty fifth, nineteen twenty two. It's 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 uh, twenty twenty three. Wow, how time flies! It just seems like yesterday we were in the twentieth century. Now here we are. In the 21st, and it's it's going by rapidly, rapidly scooting by. We have um, have a great show for you today. I have no idea what's going to be in it. I have none, no plans, no idea. I just sat down at my chair. I got in, uh, I got in not too late last night. I, well, I actually was in bed by 9.30, 10 o'clock, something like that. But as usual, I had a an adventure coming back from, from Chicago. It, you know, if... When I drive, it's usually about, you know, between two and a half, three hours, something like that, typically, depending on the traffic. And there's usually traffic. Being Sunday, it was hard to tell whether it's going to be traffic or not. I was in uh, Lubbock, Texas on, uh, I think it was Friday night. And Saturday night, I was actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was a very short night, though, in Tulsa. I wasn't, uh, wasn't there very long. And um, I had to get up very early yesterday morning. I think I got up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Made my way back uh, to, well, I had to go to Baltimore. And then I went uh, back to Chicago. and So I got into Chicago about 1 o'clock. Flight was late, of course, delayed. Everything was always delayed. And, and usually you'd, get on, you'd, bo- you'd board on time, and then there would, something would happen, and then it was always late. And then, and then uh, so coming back from, except for the flight that I needed to catch. That one left early. I got off of a flight, I think it was a 9.40 or 1.40 in the, in the afternoon in Chicago, 1.45, something like that. There was a flight leaving at 2.20, another 7.37 going from Chicago to South Bend of all places. Plenty of seats open, of course. And as I uh, worked on getting to the gate, which they put you know as far away as possible, I was going from what's called L24 to C-25, if you have any idea how far that is. That's uh, well over a mile with my bags. So I'm, I'm uh, scurrying as fast as I can, knocking people down, pushing people over, jumping over kids, uh, causing babies to, to scream and cry. And I, and I get to the gate, the door is closed, and it's not departure time yet. Now, on the way there, I was about halfway there, and I heard this announcement that in four minutes, doors will be closing to South Bend. I was still in the Bravo Terminal. And if you know anything about Chicago, you have to go down through this tunnel thing that goes between the two, between Bravo and Charlie, B and C there, and uh, in Terminal 1. And it was... I knew there was no way I was going to make it there in four minutes. That, that's, that's not possible. But I did know that possibly they might have somebody, you know, something else happened that they could possibly leave the thing open for a little bit longer. So I continued on with my scurrying about. And then I, I get there, and of course, it's too late. 
So I then, you know, casually walked back. There was there was a four o'clock flight, so I thought, well, I'll get on the four four ten flight. So as I got back and I looked at the board, that one's delayed till five ten, or five. What was it? Five? No, four fifty. Delayed till four fifty. Uh, it ended up being delayed till five ten later on, then five twenty, and then five fifty. Uh, we started boarding at five fifty. Got on the plane. JetBridge pulled back. I was I was shocked and amazed that we actually were sitting on an airplane. And it was, uh, of course, now I went through this last week as well, where we sat there and then we found out we had a problem. We even pushed back and went back to the gate because we had a problem. So you, you never know. The wheels are off the ground. You just don't know how it's going to go. So we, so we had... Um, and even then, they can return to the they can return to the airport if something goes wrong. So it's until you're about halfway there, you just don't know. And even then, they can sometimes go back to you. You just never know until your wheels are on the ground at your destination. So I, I was, um, we were sitting there at the gate and continued to sit in there. Fifteen minutes went by. Now, normally, they're supposed to make an announcement every fifteen minutes according to United's policies. They they didn't make any announcements. Twenty minutes. You know, and I, it was one of those things where. I was sitting there, I was watching some videos on the, on YouTube. I had downloaded some stuff and I was getting ready to kind of, you know, settle in. Had a window seat. And it's kind of, it's one of those things where all of a sudden you start noticing. All of a sudden it's like my, my little thing went off in my head and said, hey, there's, there's something, this isn't right. But now we should have been pushed back. The checklist, all that stuff should have been done. All the numbers should be done. They, they should be ready to push back here. I look around. I look outside and I see some some ramp personnel standing out there and that, they're all not standing, they're sitting actually, sitting up, up against some of the, bar the, the barriers, they're just sitting there waiting. So I know there's nothing, you know, imminently going to happen. There's, well, it's going to be a little while. And I, I start getting this kind of wondering look on my face, looking around like, okay, does anybody else know? Everybody else was just kind of all settled in, all thinking everything was just normal, sitting there for 15 minutes. And then the time kept on going. I kept on going. So I tried, tried to get it out of my head. I put on another video. I kept watching something about Jeeps or something and uh, some kind of trail riding through Jeeps. So it was just kind of something to get my mind off what was going on. And of course, I, I kept glancing out the window to see if this guy was making any movement at all. He wasn't, of course. So I continued to, to look and watch and wonder what was happening out there. No announcements. 20 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by, no announcements. Finally, 30 minutes goes by. Now, it's, at this point, it's 6.35. I, uh, I, st I started just shaking my head. And, and now, now it starts to settle in. There, there's something more than just something wrong going on here. And, of course, now here, here it comes. This is when the, the flight attendant gets, gets called by the flight deck. Ding dong. Okay, this is, this is great. She's, they're letting them know first. They, they're supposed to let the flight attendants know first, and then they make an announcement to the cabin about what's going on. So the, the little ding dong thing happened, and they, they let them know. She hung up the phone, and of course then, it's just your captain speaking. Uh, sorry, I wasn't able to talk to you for the last 30 minutes. I've been working on some things here. Can't, uh, I just didn't have time to work on to make an announcement. Sorry keep for not keeping you informed, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, there's a computer glitch 
some sort that wouldn't allow them to uh, do their weight and balance and they had to do it manually, which yeah, I know how that is. It's not something they do every day. They got to pull out paperwork. They got to figure all the stuff out by themselves. Got to get all the load stuff and paperwork. Now, what surprised me was the door never came back open again because normally when you do that, you have to have paper trail uh, when you're doing things manually. Now, maybe they have a way of doing it at that company. It was Sky West, by the way. Normally when they do that, it's – there's a way of uh, – they may have a paperless way of doing it. I don't know. Through their iPads. But that's surprise. That would be surprising to me if they can do that. But so, or, uh, or maybe through the ACAR system, they have, they have to communicate with. So, so they have, uh, have must have had a method to do it, approval method to do it, way to do it. Finally, the uh, then they waited about five, five or ten minutes or so. He said, "Well, it should be about five or ten more minutes. We should have this have, have ourselves going." So, so sure enough, about, about quarter till seven, we start pushing back. And this is the four o'clock flight, by the way. Now the six ten flight had already left, and some people went over to that flight. Which was very far away, which which is also stupid. It's like, well, why do you have that one so far away? Because you can't just sit here and, you know, can't, it makes it much more difficult for people to make a decision here because you got to take 15 minutes to walk over to where that one's at. So we we uh, we got there. We got pushed back from the gate then, uh, started the engine up and everything everything was working. Started the other engine and then we sat there and then uh, then we finally got the taxi out to what they call the ramp area out. To, you know, you get, can't, you're not on a taxiway yet. You're actually in the ramp area. So we, Taxied up and then we waited. And we waited and waited, waited about another 10 minutes. Finally, the captain gets on and said, well, it's just, you know, it's heavy traffic time right now. Everybody's leaving. Of course it is. Because you're in the mix when you're not supposed to be. Everybody else was, you know, it, it, it's, uh, this happens. And I don't think airlines understand how this, how this goes. When you are delayed, even just a few minutes, it has a cascading effect. Next thing you know, the other, other planes that were scheduled to go out a few minutes after you are now going out. And now they're in your way and you're in their way. And so it causes this congestion because, you're in a, because you know, a minute ago you were supposed to be out there and now you're not out there. Another airplane's supposed to be out there and now they're out there and you can't get out there. And so they're waiting for you to get out there and you're, you're not going to be in the queue and it's, it's going to be this whole messed up thing. And it continues to cascade and become more of a problem. So it backs everything up. It's like people who are driving down the highway in the left lane and they don't ever get over and let anybody pass. You are now congesting the traffic and you don't understand why. Well, why is it coming to a stop? Well, that's because everybody's trying to get it. They're all changing lanes and at some point people have to stop because they're all slowing down and at some point it becomes a stopping. And there's no, there was no accident. There was no end, but it comes to this stop in the left lane of all places, in the passing lane that has no restrictions, nothing in its way. It's just people being crazy, changing lanes or staying in that lane when they shouldn't be in that lane. It causes a lots of issues. And they don't, they don't get that concept. Of course, now there's all these engineers that tell you, oh, you have to zipper merge. No, that doesn't work. Pe people are already zippered. There's no room to zipper merge. You don't understand the, the psychology of people. It's, you're less than two seconds apart already. You can't put another car in there. Yeah, brilliant. So anyway, I end up, long story short, got off the ground, got to South Bend at 8.30. Now, I could have driven. 
I would have left at two o'clock and I would have been home by five. I would have been home probably before either of those flights left, the six o'clock or the four o'clock flight. I'd have been home before either of them left. Now, I did get a notification that the two o'clock flight was on the ground and in South Bend. And that one, of course, I would have been. And of course, and then you get to South Bend. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to write United about this because it's, it's gotten ridiculous. Every time I go into South Bend, I think one out of the last 10 times that they have not sent the carry-on bags that they, have, they, make, they force you to check because of the size of the airplane, they will not put them plane side. You have to go to, to baggage claim to get them. This adds another 10 to 15 minutes. And if you had like, – like I carry several bags and, it, and I usually use that, that, uh, that roll bag as my cart to cart the other bag around. And because of this, I now I have to carry that bag and it's not, it's not a light bag. And I've got to carry it about a half a mile to get to the – it's a quarter mile at least. I don't know what it is. And it is uh, – it's very uh, frustrating at the end of a trip like that that takes you that long and it's like a needle in the eye. So is there anything else we can do to make your trip more – just let us know if there's anything we can do to make your trip more uh, miserable. Just raise your hand and we'll have the flight attendant come by and poke you in the eye with a stick. That's what it feels like. And I heard people – you know, there were people complaining. I mean they were, they were like – and they were, they were good sports about it, but they were actually going, oh, no, no, don't do that. Oh, man, oh. And the people at the gate, it's, they, weren't, they weren't mad. They weren't uh, – but you could tell just the frustration and the – just the frustration level was very high with a lot of people. They were miserable. And, of course, the crew is always – Working as hard as possible to get the thing to make the flight happen, they're always bending over backwards trying to make things happen. And and then you have this, just the way they do things, and it comes from the top. I guarantee you. Part of it's FAA, part of it's just management. But that's 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 enough of that. Fifteen minutes in, and I haven't really talked about anything that. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe I have. I don't know. It, it's the the um. Let's go into some some things this morning. Uh, I was looking at my schedule, and over the course of of October, it looks as if at this point, it looks as if um, I will most likely be able to have a Monday morning show. Uh, with the exception of next week. On the on the second of of October, which well actually no I take the back I take it back I will be able to have a show uh, every Monday through September. So what I'm seriously considering here is I'm sorry, I'm sorry through, through October. What I'm seriously considering here is having my live shows on Monday mornings, and I think that's that's going to work fairly well. Now I do have one potential problem with that on the 9th of, of October, and that is that I, I may be moving my boat, which is the second uh, Monday of October. If I am doing that on the 9th, it will be very difficult for me to, uh, to get the, uh, the show put out there. 
So we'll have to see how this goes. But I, I'm, I'm seriously at this point thinking about having a live show, live shows on Mondays, just because I know I'm going to be home every, every Monday. Um, the rest of the month is kind of a, uh, it's like Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This week is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we'll have four four shows this week for sure, possibly on Friday, however, as well. So I don't know where that show's going to be. I might be someplace in, on Friday. But this week, I've got pretty much all the whole week off, uh, up through the mid midweek, and then uh, Thursday morning, I'll be able to do a show probably, and then we'll see how it goes after that. Now, having all having said all that, I have um, a few things on the docket that I would like to talk about. There, there wasn't any big big issues over the weekend uh, that really stood out that I that, that that captured my attention at least anyway. Now I do have um, there are some headlines I think we need to talk about one of the things that oh, one of the things most part of the main thing part of the thing that you know, all all of you have been hanging around waiting to find out is what's in my cup. I already drank my chai this morning. I, I, I got up this morning. I was just kind of tired from this last trip, and I think I've got a little bit of a sinus thing going on, which I typically get this time of year. Uh, I don't know. It, it's when I stay in hotels this time of year, September and October. Uh, late September, usually in, into October, sometimes into November, depending on where I'm, where I'm at. But it seems like uh, I get there must be some kind of a fungus or pollen of some kind of in the fall that I get this sinus thing going on, and I, it. It's a kind of a mild sinus issue, but it causes sinus drainage. And then my throat gets kind of sore. And I can just tell it's just kind of in the back of my sinus. You know, I can, tell, I can almost tell it's in my, in my swallow. I can kind of tell it's just, nah. And um, so this morning I got up. I was just trying to get as much rest as I could, try to get over this thing and try to get this thing past me. Now, I ended up going to uh, getting up early this morning, helping with the dogs and stuff, getting them kind of taken care of. And so I got myself some breakfast and some chai and I drank my chai. And I can't uh, really have my show before my wife leaves for work just because it's, it, I, I never know. She, she said she was going to be gone about eight o'clock. Well, it was almost nine o'clock by the time she left. So I, it was kind of a, it's hard to manage around, you know, her, I don't want to get in her way and or the truth be, I, I, she gets in my way. But the, but the, um, I didn't want to get in her way while she's doing her stuff. And I, it just, uh, so I had that, that going on. I don't know whether to get up early. And if I come down here and try to have my, my show, then I don't know what, then she, she wants to leave and she has to interrupt the middle of my show. And it's, it's, you know, it's just kind of this crazy, weird thing going on. So, so I wait till she's gone. And then I just, I, my, I go crazy. I go, I go nuts I, with the show. I just kind of I jump down here and I go, go nuts. So it's just a little bit more, um, and better, better off. Now, now I might start if I start doing the live show. It'll be on you know on Mondays. It's going to be an early morning show because uh, it's probably going to be early. Unfortunately, it's not going to be a late show. Possibly, I don't know. It, we'll see how we'll see how it works out. But probably, I like to have them right around nine o'clock. Or if I can have them around eight o'clock, it's even better because then I get I catch drive times for most people, which is they, they can listen to it live. But that's uh, you know anyway. So uh, we have all that going on. So we have um, some. Some interesting stuff going on with between Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy. Now Kevin McCarthy's kind of again showing his, he just kind of fluffing off this Ukraine stuff. That they're, they're all concerned about a government shutdown. Now, now it's here we are back to government shutdown. Oh, God, can't but the government shutdown. Oh, no, you don't get you won't get any of your benefits, any of your big checks and stuff like that. That's not what happens. Everything gets paid. Uh, the State Department keeps running. When they say government shutdown, you think that everything's going to shut down on the government. That's not the way it works at all. But that's the way they 
they like to make a sound. Well, you're not going to get your government benefits and this is going to be terrible if the government shuts down. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Well, we've had government shutdowns in the past and it hasn't been the end of the world. Now, they have done things. We had a a government shutdown during the Obama administration. Obama closed down some of the uh, parks in D.C. Now, it actually took more manpower to close them down than it did to keep them open. There, there's a, a Korean veteran uh, monument, which is actually – that's like a city block that has it, – it's, it, I think, very well done. It is especially uh, – in my opinion, it, that, that is one monument you want, to look, you want to look at at night because of the, the way it is – it has uh, – Statues of soldiers, basically life-size statues, and they're doing their thing and they're walking through. It, it, it's, it is probably – it gives you more of a feeling, of a sense of being there and what they would have went through. And I think it's um, – it's a shame in my opinion that Obama – he quarantined it off. He put barricades up so you couldn't get – this is just a monument. It's just a thing sitting there. There's usually one person kind of in charge of kind of overseeing it or watching it or you know making sure you know, people are answering questions and that kind of – all you would have to do is take that person away if they weren't getting paid, which they probably were anyway. But no, they put, they put guards there and they put barricades around the thing. And that took more manpower than, than it would have just leaving it open, just, leave, just letting it sit. It's like a statue on a street corner. It's like, well, we're going to put barricades around it so you can't see it because we, sh- we shut the government down so you can't see that now. That's how ridiculous it was. But it was, it was, it was a statement they were making, obviously. Which I thought was just – I thought was a – an absolute – It just, yeah. It was it was just spitting in the face. I think of, of our veterans. I think it's just and, and the American people. It was it was all optics. It was all for the cameras. The uh, interesting things are happening in the world now. now there are some really tough situations we're, we're facing here, I think, in the next few years, regardless of who is president. Right now in the polls, by the way, even the – this is probably going to be the end of this thing. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to allow Joe Biden to continue on and run for president. Uh, they can't really stop him uh, by just in and of – they can't just tell him not to. If he wants to run, he's going to run. Now, if if he – if the powers that be behind him decide he's not going to run, they will, they will find a way to eliminate him. Remember, they have six ways of Sunday to come after you. When they start to realize – when that when – because the polls now are showing that I think uh, Joe Biden has about a 52 – or no, four, it's 42 to 52 percent. Uh, in other words, uh, in most recent polls – Donald Trump gets uh, – when it's a Trump-Biden race right now, 
Trump gets 52%. Biden gets 42%. And there's about a 10% that's uh, other. Now, that, that 10% makes the difference because when it comes down to a two-party race, whether those people will jump in and, and go for, for Biden or not, I don't know. There are people vehemently opposed to Biden. Or, I'm sorry, vehemently opposed to Trump. And the anti-Trump crowd is probably more charged up than the anti-Biden crowd. However, right now, I think it's, that's, that, that shift, I think that wave has, that tide has changed because people are feeling the pain of the Biden administration. And of course, again, with the leftists, with the tyrants, with any typical uh, – well, Kiyosaki just came out with some – just some scathing comments about the Biden administration. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, rich man, poor man, uh, he has not necessarily been a – he's not necessarily a Democrat or Republican. He wouldn't call himself a Republican. I wouldn't call him one either. Or I wouldn't call him a conservative even. He says he's a capital, capitalist. Now, that is a dirty word in our society. Capitalism and capitalists are, are dirty words. Did you know that the little mom-and-pop local store downtown, the little shop on the corner – those people are capitalists. It, we almost have to change the term of it now to being a free market. I'm a free marketist. Because the, the term because there's such a thing as crony capitalism. Now, these, some of these capitalists, some of these big companies, look at them. Look who runs them. Which side do you think they're on? Bill Gates. Google. Facebook. You, really, you think those are conservative operations? They're all about free speech? Gun rights? Free religion? Strict constitutional values? Look at what they're doing to Russell Brand right now. Russell Brand was not convicted of any crimes. But the, he's being accused of crimes. That happened before he even had a YouTube channel. But they are demonetizing him. They are punishing him for crimes that someone accuses him of that have nothing to do with his channel. Think about that for a moment. This is what they've been doing to the little guy out there for a long time. If they can do it to somebody, you know, Russell Brand can, can probably survive this. I guess he's, he's, his wife just had their third child. So he's, you know, he's, he's but he's, he's, not, he's not a poor man. Okay? He's, he's going to be fine. And, you know, but, it's, but this is not going to help. This is going to hurt him in terms of where, where, you know, where his life was going and what, how things were going with his wife. This is not going to be an easy thing for him. Guarantee you. Now, Rumble, on the other hand, has you know, basically stuck their hand up in the face of those who would have them censored. They, had, they were getting calls. I think they were letters, emails, whatever they were. From the EU, from the government, the parliament in Britain, to take Russell Brand off of their, their platform. This is alarming that they would do something like this. 
that the government would get involved with this. But we know it happens. It, it happened with with uh, well, well, Twitter was basically opened up, and we were allowed to see behind the curtain on that one. That they were doing that in direct collusion with the government. Talk about a conspiracy. That was a conspiracy theory that turned out to be a conspiracy fact. There was a conspiracy going on. The Biden administration the, the, and the Obama administration were colluding with big tech to influence the elections, to influence public opinion about Donald Trump and the, and the Democrat Party. By the way, in my cup, I have sweet tea. Uh, I see. I knew you were waiting for that. I never did say what I had today. So I drank all my chai. So now what do I have in my cup? Because you hear me drinking something. I have the rest, the last of my homemade sweet tea, which I will be replenishing today. I will be making a new gallon of sweet tea today. At some point, I don't know when. This is the last of, of what I have made last, last week. Uh, so... So who are the fascists here? Who are the ones who are doing the damage? Now, uh, in the midst of all this stuff, I, I think that, that you know, with this new polling data that's coming up, this poll, by the way, was not, was not a right-wing poll. Uh, there are news, news media organizations now on the leftist news organizations that are actually talking about this poll. They are concerned. They realize, look, Joe Biden is not going to win against Trump right now. And it's not going to. Now, think about the things they accused Trump of right before he left office. General Milley or Mark Milley, whatever the guy's name is. I don't even call him a general. He's just, this is the guy. Keep in mind. This is the guy who talked to the, his Chinese counterpart as Trump was on his way out the door between the election and, and the inauguration and reassured them, reassured this general from China, I'm not going to allow any kind of nuclear strike right now. If you hear something, if there's any saber rattling going on, or if you hear anything, don't worry. I'm not going to allow any, any, any nuclear strikes or any kind of war breaking out with you guys right now. Because he was so concerned that Trump was going to push the button. He was going to do something to start a war so that he could stay in office. Did any of that happen? Was there any indication that Trump was going to do that at all? Does he have evidence of anything that Trump said or did? This is the guy who was talking to Nancy Pelosi about keeping him contained, keeping Trump contained so they couldn't do anything. This is the guy who introduced the idea of going to war with Iran between the election and the inauguration and then turned around and said that it was Trump's idea to go to a war with, to, to, to go to war with Iran. This is, this is that guy. 
This is the guy who came out with a straight face and told the American people in a press conference, this was a righteous strike. And never apologized for that at all. In fact, afterwards came out and said, well, we do believe there were secondary explosions and there was someone in that car who was a, ter- who was a terrorist. Nobody, not a single person in that car was a terrorist. And the secondary explosions did not happen. And this guy is still sitting on the table, on the cabinet of the highest office in the land. This guy. And I'm pretty sure if you knew about his personal life, I don't know the guy from Adam. I, I wouldn't. I don't know anything about him or his family or anything. Anything. All I can tell you is what I. I'm not going to call it a vibe. I'm just going to say. In my gut, in my deepest part of my soul, where I believe that God speaks with me, speaks to my heart, and helps me to discern things around me, I believe that there is a very dark part of Millie. I'm not going to say what it is. And I'm not going to tell you to do anything but pray for the man. That's that's what he needs because he's, he's a depraved individual. That's all I'm going to say. The... Let's run through some headlines here. Let's just let's just do this. Uh, this is on Real News Network, uh, the realnewsnow.com website. Um, experts say China, China, uh, chi are gearing up for war. That's no, there's no question about that. The poll: nearly half of Dems think free speech should be less free. That's uh, what's wrong with this party. I just heard a, a panel the other day who was talking about how. The Democrat Party used to be the one who was all about free speech and anything goes. And it was the Republicans who were trying to – and this, this basically was the case back in the 70s, 60s and 70s. The Republicans were the party – you know, when, when uh, Quayle came out and said, we are the, we are the party of family values. And, of course everybody, and they kept that, – and that got a bunch of applause at the, at the convention. And of course, after that, the, that's that's all you heard him say. Family values, family values, family values. Potatoes. I don't know how to spell potato, but but family values, fa- family values, fam- family values. Because that's that was a big that, that was the buzzword. Family, family values. Yay! They didn't know what that meant. They couldn't define that. They just knew that that term got them a lot of applause. But that was that was basically where Republicans were at that time. They were they were all about the rule of law. Uh. The, the, and the moral law was important to them, I think, and that struck a tone, I think, with the party. And part of that moral law was pushing back against things like, well, immorality, any kind of biblical immorality. Just put it that way. 
and the, the left put, saw that as a, a danger to free speech. Now they're telling us free, free speech isn't free. It's, it's not absolute. Can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Y- yes, you can yell fire in a crowded theater. If there's a fire, you better be yelling fire in a crowded theater. But you can't yell it if it's not on fire. Yes, you can yell it if it's not on fire. But if there is any kind of consequence to that, if there is any kind of, if people get up and leave, you're held liable for all that. There's going to be a civil lawsuit, but it's not, there's no law against it. You're not going to be, you're not breaking the law. You're civilly liable. If anybody, if the place gets up and starts a mass evacuation and someone gets hurt in that process, or, and they will get hurt because they, first of all, that theater now will probably have a bunch of people asking for their money back or to see the movie again. And I guarantee you that theater is going to come after you for causing that to happen. So there's consequences. But there's no law against yelling fire in a crowded theater. Now, maybe some municipalities might have that law. I don't know. But it's not a federal law. But they always say, but they always say that. Well, yeah. No, the right to free speech is absolute. doesn't mean you're exonerated from any kind of liability that that free speech brings upon you. This idea that the Michael Knowles came out the other day and he was saying how, no, no, nothing is absolute. They can suspend the Constitution. They can suspend the Second Amendment for 30 days or whatever, whatever it is. No, no, you can't. The Second Amendment is the only amendment, actually, that has a thing in there called shall not be infringed. It doesn't say can't all, you know, normally be, be infringed. It's shall not be. And that's, that's a legal term. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a life counselor. I'm not a financial coach. But shall not means shall not. That's, there's some very clear terms in legal, legal ease. When it says will be or shall be or may be, that's, that's a whole different thing. But when they say shall be, shall, shall not be, that's, that's, that, that's an absolute statement. You shall not infringe. And every, almost every state in the country has infringed on the civil rights of the Second Amendment in one way or another. Now, if, if there's a particular property where guns are not allowed because of security issues, whatever that is, unless you have to go to that place, if the government requires you to go to a place to do, to, to, like, let's say they made you go into a particular building to pay your taxes. That's the only way you can pay your taxes. You better believe you can, take your, you can take your gun there. If you just have the, like, like Walmart puts up a sign that says, no, no, no firearms allowed. You don't have to go into Walmart. You're not required to go there. Now, is it a law? Are you breaking the law by going in there? Nope, you're not. You're not, not, not breaking the law by taking your gun in there. But if they ask you to leave, you better leave. Now you're trespassing. But the gun had nothing to do with it. As far as, far as any laws you were breaking, no, you weren't breaking a law by going in there. But in, as soon as they ask, whether you have a gun or not, if they ask you to leave, now you're trespassing. And you don't leave, you're trespassing now. When someone asks you to leave their property and you don't leave, 
You don't get, you know, they, they need to give you a reasonable amount of time or whatever the judge decides that is. That's the gray area. You need to pack up your stuff and go. And if you don't, now you're in violation of trespassing laws. Now, there may be some states or municipalities where there's some weird changes about the more definition on that, but that's, that's the way it works. If they want you to leave because you have a gun, it doesn't matter why they want you to leave. They just, they want you to leave and that's, you're done. You're, you're, you're done there. So that's, that's where we get into this whole thing of absolutes and private property. And now on the other hand, speaking of private property, let's talk about Google and YouTube and all these other social networks. Well, they're a private business. They can do whatever they want. Uh, no, you cannot actually do whatever you want. They are in what's called this crony capitalism thing. They are in this agreement with the, with the state as an entity that they are not a publisher. They are a platform. If you do not violate their terms of service, now you sign up and, and but however... The whole problem with this whole thing is they have a monopoly and they are the public square and they get certain benefits called no one can sue them. Let's say somebody puts, posts something on their website that causes someone else to, co to commit a violent crime or whatever happens on their – they say something that's wrong or whatever. Facebook and Google cannot be held liable for that. They cannot be sued for that because it was someone else that posted it. Now, if they become the curator, if they become the publisher and they start changing what people can say and do and what they – they, they now should resume the responsibility and be able to be sued. But they still want that protection and they shouldn't get it. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. What do I know? All I know is Harbor Freight's got a sale going on right now. This, this, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Harbor Freight. Uh, only because I have a lot of stuff from Harbor Freight in my garage. Uh, not because they sponsor anything. I just have a bunch of stuff. So there you go. Because I, I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for uh, Harbor Freight. Actually, I got so many tools that uh, I doubt if I'd have survived as long as I have without some of the tools I bought there. But not, not, maybe I would have bought them from Sears. Or something I don't, know. but no, Sears doesn't isn't in business anymore because our our trade. But anyway, the um, FBI was sued over missing rare coins that that they seized. Oh, gee, that's funny how they always lose. How how do you, how do they lose stuff like that? How 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 do they lose uh, evidence like that? I I don't, I don't understand. Senator Bob Menendez pressured to resign after indictment. I guess he, I don't know what, I don't exactly know what he was indicted for. It was kind of complicated. It was, it was a lot of, uh, it sounded like it was this whole network of stuff going on, committing all kinds of crimes, uh, involving money and prostitutes and all kinds of stuff. I don't know what all was going on there. This is a guy who came out and said that Donald Trump was a pig, I think. Now, I've got to hand it to the Justice Department on this one. How, how in the world he – there must have been something else going on. He, he must have probably not – he must have pushed back against the intelligence community. And they – and this is how it works. He, he probably ticked somebody off somewhere along the line. 
So, okay, now it's time for you to go. Hard to tell. Uh, is the U.S. mirroring the twenty uh, the two thousand crash? Now, I, the two thousand crash. I don't know if many of you remember this. Um, there was a two thousand eight crash. About every eight years, seven to eight years, there's usually a crash of some kind. Um, COVID kind of reset that timing, but now so we're we're kind of, we're kind of in a, in a no man's land right now. We're just kind of like different than in normal. The re- the recovery from COVID plus the economic situation. However, there has never been a time like this where the government has just thrown so much money at the economy. So, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this, this all pans out. We still have a housing shortage. Uh, Dave Ramsey was big on this the other day. There was just people talking about, should I wait for the housing market to crash and, and, then, and then buy a home? Well, this is one of those things where a property is typically an intrinsic value. Now, the only problem I have with I wince a little bit when I make that statement. Let's say I want to put $100,000 in the bank or I want to put $100,000 in the stock market. I think I would rather put $100,000 into a property at this point. Now, I've got 401k. I've got stock. I've got some other – I've got a separate thing. I've got a Roth, all that stuff. Or it's a, it's a, type, it's a type of Roth that Indiana has here. But, but, but it's, it's – I've got stuff like that, okay? And I've got some money set aside for emergency fund, all, all that stuff. The thing that I don't have, I, I, I do have another property. We have, we have some land here at the house. We also have another property. It's commercial property. But I'm looking for a, another place to – I was thinking about, you know, should I put my money in gold? Should I put my money in some kind of, you know – I, I do want to put some, some funds into a high-growth high uh, money market type thing. I want to put a percentage of my, my funds in there and because supposedly we're getting 10, 10% or so. Apple has just come out with this new thing. I think it's 4.7%. It's like a high-yield savings account. Uh, now, what they're doing is they're trying to build up their cash reserves and I, I, because they want it to become another, another PayPal-type service. Uh, type thing. You know, this Apple Pay thing. They, they're realizing, hey, it's nice to have this capital here sitting here because nobody uses it. And people only use about 10 to, to 15% of the capital they might have on, on hand. So – People will stock their money away, and that gives them more leverage. So we we have um, this possibility of Apple doing that. Now, I, I thought about putting a little bit of you know funds into that savings account just to see how it does. But there are some higher growth yield stuff out there, and upwards of ten percent over time. A t- typical, I think, ten, 10 year yield is is ten percent. Basically, your money will double if you do nothing to put any more in. Uh, just Taking the just taking the percentage off of it, if you withdrew the percentage, your money will double every ten years. I think it is because it's about ten percent. So ten years, a hundred percent. Now, if you keep reinvesting that, if that, if you allow that to stay in there, obviously it's going to be much more than that. Compounded interest over time is because by the time you have, say, you put a hundred thousand dollars in there, well, in ten years it's going to be two hundred thousand dollars. No. Because every year it went up – the second year is $110,000. The third year it's one hundred and twenty, and so forth and so on. At, on the ninth year, it's $190,000, but you're getting 10% interest on that every year. So it's not – see, the first year is $100,000. Second – or the, I say you keep it in the first year. It's $101,000. The second year, it's hundred and – I'm sorry. It's 100, 111000 There you go. The second year, you know, 10% of that – Added on to so now you have one hundred and twenty 
whatever it is, out of $122,000, whatever, whatever it is. No, more than that. You get, you get that extra whatever it is every year. Hundred twenty, I think it's hundred twenty-two. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is. And the next year you get a hundred and or you get, you get uh, an additional twenty. What is he? Twenty-four. You get whatever it is. What is whatever that is? I don't know. But it's it compounds, so it increases more than that. So at the end of that ten years, yeah, your interest that you've received on the on the original investment was a hundred thousand dollars, but every year you made ten percent on that, and that was ten thousand dollars a year. Or ten thousand the first year, eleven thousand the second year, or whatever it was. So you add that, you know, ten, twenty-one. What is that? Whatever it keeps going, and so you get you get much more than that out of it every year. So at the end of ten years, you're getting that last year. You're getting an interest rate of. You're getting 10% interest on $190,000 or more than that, actually. That's another, you know, $20,000, whatever it is. Anyway, um, so there you go. I, I've got – so I'm thinking about buying property. Now, the, pro, the, the thing about buying property is this. If you buy property and the economy tanks and housing market takes a, takes a beating for a while, for maybe 18 months. Now you can't just you know go in and write a check out of your, you know what your property's worth, but but it, it stays relative to all the other property. That's that's the thing. If, if the whole economy tanks and the property values go down, you could still sell that property and probably go buy another property because everything's down. If you just have cash and the value of that cash continues to go away with a recession, it's going into thin air. If you'd have had a hundred thousand dollars back in the eighties, for example, the early eighties or seventy, late seventies, you could have bought a very nice property for that. A property now that today will go for a million dollars. So there's a very there's an intrinsic value that you have in that property. Now, the only thing that makes me wince at that is this: property taxes. Unless you are getting some kind of rent for that property, some kind of income from that property, the taxes that – if you add up the taxes you're paying on that property every year over the last 20 years, you may or may not come out ahead. And property taxes can be changed. I've had the property tax rate raised on my, on my commercial property several times. And then they come in and they come in and uh, assess the property. I, like, let's say I put improvements into it. I, I think I spent probably uh, twelve thousand dollars improving the property. They come in and tell me the property is now worth more, so they're going to tax me more. Well, you're welcome for making the you know community look nicer, for investing in your uh, your little town here, and now you're going to charge me more for that. Uh, this is this is one of the things that really aggravates me. Now, now, if they wanted to tax the next guy, and by the way, those those improvements were just things that were needed to be done. They were things that like the roof, the the air conditioning, the heating system. Those are things that just need to be done. It's just maintenance. Well, it's worth more now. 
Well, so is it going to go down in value now every year? Because because in a hundred years, they're going to need another roof. I put a metal roof on it. So it's gonna, so say in another 50 years, the, the roof needs to be changed again. Now you're going to, does it ever go down in value? Now I, I take depreciation on the building. But I don't think they, well, anyway. <sighs> New York City starts repairing damage done to American kids. I don't know what that's about. Uh, Hollywood writers and studio reach a tentative, tentative deal. They have a TA, apparently. And we'll see how that goes. No border. Biden administration allows 221,000 migrants to fly directly into the U.S. They don't even have to come across the border. They just fly in now. Kevin McCarthy looks like he, he could be finished as speaker. And the reason is because he's going along with this whole Ukrainian funding thing with the, uh, the deficit. Now, yeah, this is, uh, this is the uh, – here's this thing on the poll. Let me – nearly half of Dems think free speech should be less free. Let's, let's look at this thing on this poll because this is kind of interesting. Um, it's uh, – there was an interesting article I also saw. Uh, Fetterman had an embarrassing meltdown on air. I wonder what that's about. That's the deal where he just kind of did some kind of weird gyrations about the impeachment, I think. Um no, getting back to this whole thing, um, they're, they're talking about putting a telescope on the moon. A, it's a, you know, of course, now it's a special kind of telescope that would go on the moon. There's a couple of issues with this. Uh, the one side of the moon, the dark side of the moon is on the other side. We, we, never see, we only see one side of the moon. Believe it or not, it's facing us all the time. The one side is, faces us all the time. It's it rotates a certain. I mean, it's it is placed in a particular place that makes life possible here on Earth. And other, if it wasn't there, uh, it would be, weather patterns, everything would be really screwed here. But it it really is what uh, helps to generate a lot of our weather system, the tides, all that kind of thing that happen, and it causes the water to flush back and forth, which is causing all kinds of marine growth and all kinds of other things to happen. It also helps with the Coriolis effect. The um, the fact that um, I'm talking about putting a, a telescope on the moon, it's, which is kind of a big a radio telescope type array type thing, is um, interesting in, in a lot of ways. Uh, there are some huge challenges to overcome here because namely, um, it would, I think it would have to be on the dark side, first of all. Um, because you can't, you wouldn't be able to have the sunlight hitting that thing. The other side of it is, um, that is the side that actually shields the earth from a lot of meteorological debris, a, a lot of uh, meteorites, uh, meteors, I guess meteors, meteorites are when they hit the ground. Meteors, uh, just space stuff flying, you know, rocks coming at us, uh, that kind of thing. And, there are a lot more, apparently, there are a lot more uh, signs of impact on the dark side than there are on the, on the light side of little, little craters, you know, from, from getting hit by meteors. And so this is kind of a, I think this would be a tough challenge because how do you put that thing up there and then keep it from, you know, protect it from being hit? 
but that's what they're talking about doing. Um, I'm going to look at this. Uh, what does this say here? This is the Trump. Trump scores eye-popping 10-point lead over Biden in new poll. This is a 52 to 42 thing. Yeah, 52%, 42% hypothetical uh, rematch of the 2020 election contest uh, up significantly from Trump's 49 to 43 lead during a similar survey in the outlets in May. His popularity is going up against Biden. I think now it's, it's a combination of Biden being more and more inept. Uh, the Bidenomics thing fell flat. They're, them just, they just want to tell you. This is, this is the way the Dems work. This is the way it works in most autocratic uh, socialist, and uh, like I was saying about Kiyosaki, he said he, he showed this. He said Biden is a communist. He's a Marxist. He's one of these people. He hold, held up the Communist Manifesto. He's one of these people, and he, and he just cited a couple of issues that things, the things that just that Biden made decisions on made, made it very clear. Uh, this is that's communist theology. That's communist communist ideology. And I, I would say it's more collectivist. I, I, I would use the term collectivist more, but. Um, his mental acuity is obviously going down. His, his ability to uh, communicate is going down. His, and they think that they can just say things and make it so. Well, Bidenomics, look at this. Oh, look at all the achievements of Biden and all the, look at all the things he's done. And do they really think we, we're going to let him get elected for another four-year term and thinking that he's going to, to make it through that whole term? And I think initially they were thinking that Kamala was a great, great way to get a female – this was a great way to get a female uh, black woman into office because that way they could, you know, tout, hey, well, this is the first female black woman. We know the Democrats. This is the Democrat was the first female black woman. The de Democrat was the first uh, black president. That's what they're all about. But anytime you post a a Democrat up in, for for example, a a uh, African American person of color Supreme Court member, they're the one. He's the one they attack. He's the worst person in the world. He's a he's a a house. They call him all kinds of racial slurs. Larry Elder, the the black face of white white supremacy. How racist is that? Because they own they own you. They still own you. By the way, if you're black, they they, they think they still own you. You 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 owe them something. Yeah, these, these polls do not look good. Overall, economy and immigration situation is really he, – he Biden scores really low on that, 23%. Overall, 37%. Economy, 30%. Immigration, 20 They're going to get rid of this guy. They are not going to put up with this. Um. Yeah, I mean, when they're starting to tout things like we need to stop the border, we need to close the border, uh, we need to you know, just the, all the things that Trump was saying that they said were racist. Now he, they're saying, and I think that they're they're probably going to have to start realizing uh, Trump was right on that too. Now Chicago hasn't made much uh, noise about it. Uh, However, they are – but there are people in Chicago complaining. Uh, they're, not, they're not giving as much press conference or press coverage as, as New York is, the New Yorkers, the New York City. 
But even even your governor, state state governor, has, is saying, you know, in, we're at capacity. You need to go somewhere else. She's one of those people who talks with her teeth, kind of through her teeth, like she's kind of like, what's her name? And so, so it's one of those things where I think that they're going to have to, um, they're going to have to deal with, and they're realizing election season's coming up. They're starting to make all these. Gavin Newsom even just vetoed a bill that uh, would have, would have allowed children. I think it was. I think they could punish parents. They could take your parents. The parents could take have their kids taken away from them if they opposed their children being allowed to transition in gender. He actually vetoed that bill. Now, of course, that's because. Now, keep in mind. Remember what Barack Obama said in two thousand eight: marriage should be between a man and a woman. And then he came out and evolved. He evolved on the on the on the issue. He evolved on the issue. Changed his mind, flip-flopped what it did. Came out and was all supportive of the woke agenda. Because he couldn't, he probably couldn't have gotten. Here's a little, here's a little uh, newsflash for you. The African American community, the black community, the people of color community, BIPAC or whatever they are, they by and large, do not like the woke stuff. So it is a conundrum for them. They are a little bit uh, confused about what to say, what to do about with all this stuff. But it's there, there you go. That's what it is. So tomorrow morning, uh, there will be a show. Wednesday morning, I may have, still have a live show because it's still September. So I might try to do a live show on Wednesday. Live shows tend to be a little bit tricky for me. I'm not sure what all is going to happen this week. So I may try to do a live show. Tomorrow morning, I will have my act together a little bit better about what's going on in the news. And I, have, I hope to have some clips, some recorded clips of things I may play tomorrow or Wednesday, one of the two. Today's going to be uh, kind of a catch-up day for me. i got a lot, lot going on, so who knows how to get done. In the meantime, uh, pray for our nation and pray for our, our nation's leaders. We are in a spiritual and ideological war. I think more spiritual than ideological even. But uh, pray for our nation. And um, let's go forward with faith and truth. God bless everybody. Have a great week. Bye.